Good morning. Oh. Um, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over every mind-numbing spirit and every life-sucking spirit, and I tell you, get out of this place in Jesus' name. Oh! You see, the enemy comes to church. And when he comes to church, he tries to play with your mind so you won't listen or takes you off to other places. He numbs your mind. He puts some people to sleep so they won't hear the power of the love of God that wants to touch hearts. And there's a life-sucking purpose out of the darkness that wants to take the life of Jesus away from you. That's why I just took authority over those things then. So thank you, Lord, for your victory, which is ours in Christ Jesus. A few weeks ago, I woke up one Saturday morning and I said, Lord, you know what, I don't feel like going to church this morning because I come every Saturday morning to pray. And the Lord just said to me, David, you know it's the front line. And I said, yeah, Lord, I know that. And he said, so get out of bed. So I got out of bed. For 22 years, I've been doing that every Saturday morning. There were people that gathered with us then and there are people that gather with us now. Every Saturday morning, we meet to pray. We don't pray for people. We pray for the Lord's purpose and his victory over the works of darkness that want to interfere with what God wants to do through you as the church of Jesus in this place. It's, an, it's a front line, the Lord said to me. He said, David, that's the front line. And for those of you that are more familiar with the language of army, the front line, guess what? That's where you get beat up. That's where you take the first step. That's where you engage the enemy on behalf of the ones that are coming behind you. The front line in the, in the days of, of the Old Testament, guess what that was? That was worship. When they were going into battle, they'd send the worship crew out in front. And they'd beat their drums and they'd sing out to the Lord and the enemy would pull back. Because the enemy recognised that these were the people of God in the power of God coming into the battle. That's who you are. It was interesting this morning, the worship team was the worship team that was the first worship team for this church when it was planted, Neil and Jody. They were 22 years younger then. <laughs> they still look pretty good and they sound pretty good. But back then, they were the front line of worship. That was it. And then there were a few others that gathered. Kate MacArthur, who was then Kate Tatishi, she was another one in there. Who? The Burrell girls, yes. Claire Tatishi. These were, these were the beginnings of the battle crew. And the battle crew is still here. Not because anybody is particularly clever, but because it's God's purpose that they're still here. A lot of people have come to this church over the years, and God said to us at the beginning, have a big back front door and a big back door. A big front door to welcome everybody in, and while they're here, bless them, teach them, encourage them, heal them, and then send them out. And that's what this church has done over the years. There's been four churches planted out of this church. Some have survived and some haven't. 
I dare to say that the ones that haven't are because the enemy saw that there was going to be a real purpose of God in it and he smashed them before they could get, get going and stay lasting. Certainly that happened in Mackay. And so what we're talking about is a battle. I was a Christian for many years before I heard or understood the term spiritual warfare. I thought it was some sort of myth. I thought it was something that, you know, people just talked about this battle that used to happen. That was when the Israelites went up against the Egyptians or whatever it might have been. You know, I didn't really understand it. I'd been a Christian for a lot of years and all I'd heard was how good I was or how bad I was. I tended to come down on the bad side most of the time because every time I looked at the good picture, I was like, I'm not quite making it there. And so it took a long time, but I was really blessed when I finally realized that Jesus had made it good for me. Did you hear that? Jesus had made it good for me. I didn't make it good for me. Jesus had. And, and there was a, a light bulb moment one day when I realized that, you know what? I'm okay with God. And when I started to think about that, I started to think about the awesomeness of who God is. This, this one who has created all things, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who sits in the highest place in the highest heaven and whose heart is love, he is the one who has said that I'm okay. Now, who can argue with God? I've tried. Not a very good ending. But there's a whole lot of angles that come with spiritual warfare. I haven't looked at my notes yet. There's some there. I'll probably get to them in a minute, but I think this is where the Lord wants to go for now, so we'll keep going. You know, there were times when I was told that Satan was not real. Jesus was. God was. But Satan was this sort of make-believe spirit and I read my bible I thought well I can't get that out of my bible in my bible it says Satan is real in fact he was there at the beginning did you know that he was there before we were my understanding of God's timeline not that God's limited to timelines is that after God created the angels and the heavenly realm he then created the earth and us and between the time he created the heavenly realm and the earth, Satan, who he created to be, guess what? His worship leader, the one to lead the angels in celebrating the, the awesomeness of God, he started to get a little bit about himself and decided that he wanted the glory that God got. And so I'm, I'm bringing this down into sort of bite-sized pieces here. There was a battle in heaven and there were three what we might call top dog angels. They were the generals in the army of heaven. They each had a crew with them, angelic crew. And the, of these three, they had the fight. And because Satan decided he wanted to be in charge and these other two were faithful to God and there was a battle in heaven. And the, the word tells us that Satan and his angels, the ones that were on his team that wanted to usurp the others and wanted to be more important than God, they were cast down to the earth. They were cast out of highest heaven. Now, my understanding of heaven is there are three heavens. There's the heaven around the earth, which is where Satan right now is ensconced as the prince of the power of the air and the 
king of the kingdom of darkness, and that's this realm that we live in. Then there's another realm of heaven, which is where the, the angelic hosts can perform, and there's other principalities and powers, and then there's highest heaven where God is and everything's wonderful. That's where we're going to end up, those that know Jesus. We're going to have a party with the Lord and it's going to go on forever. But this battle that occurred then transferred into the earth and that's where we pick up the story of Adam and Eve, where they were in the garden and Satan came and he stole their hearts from God. That's what he did. Because God had created us in his image and his purpose was that we would know God intimately and we would be those who had sovereignty over the creation. We were meant to be in charge. We named the animals. We were meant to be in charge of all of God's creation. But what we did is we did a deal with the devil in the garden. When he came along and he said, did God really say that you can't eat from that tree? If you eat from that tree, you'll be just like God. That's what he doesn't want you to have. He doesn't want you to be like him. And so they said, looks a good tree, fruit looks good, let's have a bite. And so they believed Satan over God. Guess what? Things haven't changed. We often believe Satan over God. Why? How? Because we don't know the word. We don't know the fight. We accept circumstances as being, oh, well, that's how it is. I can't, I can't do anything about that. That's a lie. That's a lie from the enemy. Because we, those that know Jesus Christ, have the power of the living God within us and with us. Not only within us, but with us. The Holy Spirit is in us when we give our hearts to Jesus. He comes and he dwells in us. But beyond that, there is a power. The power of God is available as the Spirit moves across the earth. So that battle that began and ended in the victory of Satan in the garden has continued on. And we read in the Old Testament, in a number of places, a, a, a prophetic picture of Jesus coming into the earth to claim back God's sovereignty over the earth. And by the earth, I mean the earth and everything in it, and the pinnacle of God's creation is who? Us. So God came back via Jesus to get us back out of the clutches of the darkness. This is a bit of a history lesson, but it's really, really important that we understand this. And so Jesus came, and he entered into a life and death struggle with Satan on the earth. All the events of Jesus' life <clears throat> were a battle. If you look at it right from the beginning, before he was born, there was an attempt to have his life taken. When he was born, there was an attempt to have his life taken. Joseph, I love Joseph, you know. Sometimes Joseph gets short shift, but Joseph was Mary's husband, not yet consummated because Jesus hadn't been born. But then after that, he was, when Jesus was born, the Lord spoke to Joseph in a dream and he said, take your wife and child to Egypt. Now what if he hadn't done that? Could be a whole different story. Because Herod came and took every child under three, every male child under three and had him killed. 
But Jesus was taken by Joseph to Egypt to avoid that. You see, Joseph listened to the God that he knew and he felt like God said, go to Egypt, Joseph. So Joseph went to Egypt. I think that's a pretty cool part of the story that we often jump past. When Joseph went to Egypt, it was part of God's plan for Jesus to be in the earth and established. So then when Jesus comes of age and he starts his ministry, guess what happens then? He goes, he's baptised in the Jordan by John. And then we're told that the Spirit drove Jesus into the desert. Now, you know, why would God send himself into the desert to be tested? Because that's what he went there for. Well, that was God's plan. And this was the first major encounter that Jesus had at the beginning of his ministry, after he'd been baptised by John in the Jordan. And after Jesus had heard, and the people around heard a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. And then, as well as that, they saw the Spirit descend. So that's a picture of the Trinity right there at Jesus' baptism. The Son, the Father's voice, and the Sovereign and the Spirit hovering. We see the, tri the, the triune God present. And so Jesus gets driven into the desert, and for 40 days, he didn't eat. <laughs> I can't go 40 hours. I've tried a few times. It doesn't work. But he did 40 days in the desert. And then he was probably hungry. Is that a fair guess? So what does Satan do? He offers him food. It's a pretty good angle. You know, just have something to eat. You'll feel better. Okay. Oops. Jesus didn't fall for the three-card trick because there were three tricks that Satan tried to pull on him at that point. And Jesus didn't fall for it. He came back out of the, out of the wilderness full of the Spirit, we're told. The encounter filled him up and he was ready for ministry just after he'd been attacked by the devil. And then we see pictures through the New Testament where Jesus calls his disciples to himself and where he goes into ministry. There are many, many, many encounters through the scriptures where Jesus talks of and rebukes the works of darkness. Now, there's a lot of language about spiritual warfare. But essentially what it is, is the battle for you and for me, for the souls of men, that God wants to have his love on us, not himself, he wants his love to so consume us that we can't help but be in love with him, and the enemy who wants to stop us from having that relationship with God, the enemy being Satan and his angels. And this battle is a real battle. It is the power behind the scene events. It's a battle that rages for the minds of people. It rages for the, the church of Jesus. And it rages for governments and institutions. That battle is real and it's happening today as it happened then. And it will happen tomorrow the same way. The power behind the scene events is the power of light and dark, the power of Jesus and the power of the darkness. Now, note this well. 
the light has come and the darkness doesn't understand it and cannot overcome it. You get that? Jesus has come and his victory is greater than the power of the darkness. No matter what lies the enemy tells you about how powerful he is, he is not as powerful as Jesus. Further to that, further to that, Jesus has delegated to us his victory power. And that's the stuff that matters to us today and every day. Jesus has delegated to us his victory power and authority. Do we walk in it? Most of the time, no. Why? Because like in the garden, we believe the lies. How many of you in this last week have believed you're not good enough and that God doesn't love you as much as he says he does? Yeah, one, two, three. Yeah, lots of hands. They're the lies. They're the lies. You're bad. You're mean. You're mighty unclean. You're Louis the Fly. Afraid of no one except the man with the can of mortine. It's an old commercial. See, I'm an old ad man. But you see, we believe the lies. You know, the word tells us that we are righteous in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to say it again. The word tells us, the word of God tells us, we are righteous in Jesus Christ. If you are in Jesus Christ, you are righteous in God's sight. Put your hand up if you believe it. Good. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Believe it. Now, I'm about to say to you something that you've probably heard before. You know that thing you did that you shouldn't have done? Does that make you feel kind of like you're not good enough? Put your hand up. That's true. You see, that, but that's the lie. That's the lie. That's the lie. But we get sucked into the lies. But why? Because Satan's a master trickster. He's the father of lies. Don't, don't underestimate his, his deliberate targeting of events in and around your life to make your life challenging. Now, there's another thing we, we hear in the church which is not right. And that is that in Christ, when you're a Christian... You deserve everything to be the best and it is all going to be wonderful for you. Well, you do deserve it, but it's not all going to be wonderful for you. You know, I was saying to someone this morning, Paul spent a lot of his life in prison. Who wants to go to prison? Yeah, I'm with you. But Paul spent a lot of his life there. Was that Satan's messing with his life? No way. <laughs> ah, No, it wasn't. Paul was doing what God had for him to do. Paul was where God had him because Paul gave his whole life to, to, to Jesus. Part of Paul's journey, and I'm thankful it hasn't been mine, was to be in prison from where he reached out and spread the gospel. God's plans are good, even if I don't think they are, for my life and for yours. So we need to come to a place of accepting that when we give our lives to Jesus, the way we sang this morning, when we say, only you, Jesus, we are declaring that we belong to Jesus and we step into a battle that is a battle of light and dark, 
we stand there with Jesus against the darkness. And, you know, when we do that, there is going to be trouble. In 2 Corinthians 4, just in case you thought I wasn't going to use the word. 2 Corinthians 3, actually, 13, uh, 3, 17. And, and I'm reading out of the NIV, and you know I love the message, but I actually like it out of the NIV. Now, the, the Lord is the Spirit. Now, this is the other thing. The Lord is Spirit. Now, people out there probably think people in here are a little bit crazy because we're in here talking to a guy that they can't see when we call, talk to the Lord. Because he's spirit. But we know him. Because he has changed us. He has wrought change in our lives to the point where we know there's a difference. Because Jesus has made it right for us. Where the Lord... Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom! And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness and ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So you see, while the Spirit cannot be seen, the effects of the Spirit can be seen. And the effects of the Spirit are meant to be the Spirit being the Spirit, Spirit of the Lord, are meant to be seen in and through our lives with ever-increasing glory. How are we doing on that? See the Lord's glory? I'm smiling at you. He doesn't scowl. He's, he's a happy God. So if there's, a, if there's a sadness that comes on you, that can be from the Lord, and that's okay, as we process grief and as we process problems. But the ever-increasing glory of the Lord is meant to shine out from us. That spirit. And what's he bring? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, thankfulness. Which one did I miss? Gentleness. Thank you. That's right. I always leave it off. I, I, when I write it down, it's always the last one, and yet it doesn't come that way in the Scriptures. They're the things that are meant to be seen in us as we shine out the Spirit of the living God. I want to encourage us to that today. That that's who we are because it is who we are with Jesus in us. We are like that. It's who I am. It's the song we sang. Therefore, since through God's mercy, 2 Corinthians 4, we have this ministry. We do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. You know, what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden when they got it wrong? What'd they do? They hid. They hid from God. We don't use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscious conscience in the sight of God. So what happens is that we commend, what we are doing is commending who we are 
to the other person's conscience. It challenges their conscience. It challenge, When we walk with Jesus, people around us in the darkness are challenged. We don't have to go up and say, I'm challenging you. That's not how God does it. They see something in us that's attractive, that they kind of like, you know, I don't know what's with that mob down there, but they're an interesting bunch. They do some really weird stuff. You know, they give their money away so that other people will get something for nothing. Is that what the world does? No. Is that what the enemy tells us? No. He says, be meager with what you have. He doesn't tell us not to. He just tells us to be, just look after yourself first. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age, Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. You see, it's not about us. It's about him. And ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. So we give ourselves as servants to those that don't know Jesus. Just thought I'd throw that one in because it's in the book. For God said, let the light shine out of darkness. He made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. How's that? That's what has happened for us and is happening to us and is meant to happen through us into the darkness. And you know what else? It's not us. We can't do it. It's all the Holy Spirit in us. We need to cooperate. We have to choose to want to go along with God because we can be talked into not going along with God. And guess who tells us those things? Now, I've got some notes here. About 18 pages of them. But I probably won't use them. Aren't you, aren't you glad? <coughs> next time. That's next time. Actually, I wrote that down. I said, this, this, this subject is just so comprehensive. I could talk for days and weeks. Because I can tell you some of the, the journey that I've had in this battle. But one of the, one of the scriptures I want to I point you to is Luke chapter 10. Let's go there. Luke chapter 10. And you, know, you notice how sophisticated I am in my presentation. I have no overheads. I don't have any handouts. I simply just hope that you can hear. That's why I prayed about your minds beforehand because the word of God has to come and plant in you because I don't have any aids here today. I'm all for aids, by the way. I think they're a great idea and I commend those that use them. I just don't. Luke 10. Now the story here is Jesus sent out his disciples to go and pray for people. He says, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what's set before you, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. This is Luke 10, 8. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your, t of your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Whew. But why that is, is that Jesus is saying, 
leave behind the spiritual antagonism that's in that town. Don't take it to the next place. You see, we, we look at that as, oh, God's cursing them. No. God is saying, leave behind the spiritual antagonism that's in that town. Don't take it with you to the next place because you're my ambassadors for truth and life and light. And I want you to go to the next town. I want you to declare goodness. I want you to heal people. But if they reject you, leave behind the rejection. It's so easy to pick up spiritual baggage through encounters with people that don't see things the way we're seeing them with Jesus. But the important thing is that we don't curse them as we leave them. It's so important. And yet this world wants to say, I want my justice. I don't. I don't want to get what I'm due for. <laughs> Thank you. And I don't want that for anybody else. I want them to get free in Jesus. Every criminal that comes up on television and everyone that's been offended, they say, we want justice. They have to make restitution. I've, I ache for those people because I know I've been there. It doesn't give you freedom. It doesn't give you life. It just gives you a baggage to carry. Jesus says, leave the spiritual antagonism behind. And move on with me. The other day when I was out walking, the Lord said, forget about the what ifs. Ask me about the what nows. Because the enemy wants to say, oh, remember when you did that? Or remember about that? And what if you'd done it differently? And what if you'd said that? Forget the what ifs. It's the what nows that matter. What now, Lord? What today? What fun have you got in store for us this afternoon after we have a sausage here? God's got something for you. It's going to be good. Because he's good. Just thought I'd mention that. And so he goes on. Yet be sure of this. Tell these people that you're not holding anything against. The kingdom of God is near. It will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. In other words, God's saying, judgment's going to come upon the town. You know, don't take that baggage of antagonism with you. Woe to you, he says to these other towns, for the miracles that were performed in you, if they'd been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable on the day of judgment. Da-da-da-da-da. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me, but he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. So Jesus is saying, if you're rejected for being who Jesus wants you to be, you're not only rejecting, the people that reject you are not only rejecting Jesus, they're rejecting the Father. And the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to you in our name. They, these disciples, they came back and was like, woohoo, you should have seen what happened. You know, we prayed for these people, the demons shot through. They didn't stay. They, these people got healed. They got better. And Jesus said, yeah. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you. He, he's recounting that he'd seen Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Jesus was there when that happened. And, and when we take authority in his name, it's like a reenactment in Jesus' mind. It's like, yep, Satan's down again. He's down again. He's down again. He said, I saw him fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you, disciples, authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. How much? All the power of the enemy. Not 
not colds and flus and not bad backs and not bung knees and not bung arms. All the power of the enemy is subject to my victory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. There's a bit more here. However, do not rejoice. See, I said hallelujah, lowly, low voice. Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. A loud hallelujah. Yes, my name's written in heaven. Defeating the demons, that's something, nothing compared to being who I am in Christ Jesus. Okay? It just goes with the territory. When you know you're in a battle and you know whose side you're on and you know what the outcome is at the end, you can be bold. But the celebration is not the victory over the darkness. That's already been done in Jesus. The celebration is that I know where I'm going to end up. I'm there now and I'm going to have more of this and I'm going to be with the Lord forever. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. Jesus got excited and he was full of joy, the scripture tells us. I think this is awesome. You see what happens when we go out and do what Jesus says? He gets excited. He gets full of joy. He's doing a little happy dance in heaven. Because we get it. We get it. It's not rocket science. The newspaper said healing Jonathan Thurston was rocket science. Didn't work. He's not going to get healed that fast unless we pray for him. If you want the, if you want the Maroons to win. But then Corey doesn't, so we will honour him. <laughs> oh dear. Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to be by my Father, Jesus says. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And Jesus chooses to reveal the Father to those that say yes to him. But the battle continues, my brothers and sisters. It does not end because we know who we are and we, knows who, who, we know whose we are. There are many, many encounters yet to be had. The battle belongs to the Lord. When we say that, we sometimes don't understand what it means. The battle belongs to the Lord means the Lord's got this battle covered. It means he's got it nailed. It's like his banner over us is love. That's the sign that is in the spirit over us. His banner is a banner of love. It's not a banner of judgment. It's not a banner of religious persecution or religious... Um, cleverness we have here the fact that Jesus has won the victory but the enemy continues to want to cause distress Kirk has been speaking about vision I actually am referring to my notes here this was important and it is so important and critical that we as a people know what Jesus is calling us to I tell you why because Satan wants to mess with that. He wants to mess with that and stop us following in the footsteps of the leadership of Jesus. 
He wants to lead us away from God's plan for our life, individually and corporately. From away from God's way to the self way. We, we often go there because we think it might be better and easier because we have these grand ideas of how life should look. I, I don't think Paul signed up to go to prison. You know that? I think when he signed up, he knew that God was Lord. He, I mean, when he, was, when, he be, when he was Saul and became Paul, you know the story of how he was blinded on the road and then he got his sight back. He knew God had met him. <coughs> and he knew he'd met God. And so he then said, everything you want, Lord, I'm all yours. And there were all these trips and travels and all the wonderful things and the, the miracles. And then he ends up in prison. Like, hang on a minute. I thought I'd be sitting on the top of a nice big green hill with vistas ahead of me. I'm retired now, Lord. Can't I sit with my feet up? No, that's not my plan for you, Paul. My plan is there are so many people who are in the darkness that will know no other way but darkness unless I put you into that circumstance where you will affect these people who will then bring the light into their lives. So what's Paul say? Thank you, Lord. He said, pray, praise in all circumstances. And he was in prison. Sang, singing to the Lord, walking out of prison, going back to prison. It was all over the shop. But it was a stay close he was staying close to Jesus and keeping up, which is what Kirk has called us to in this season of life in the vineyard. So we get got at by the enemy. Currently, spiritual warfare 101, here we are today. We get got at by the enemy. Now, I want to, before I go into this, and I won't be here for that long because I know it's time's getting away. This is a whole other subject, but I want to touch on it today. Barbecue just went on. Oh, so we've got some more time. Good. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> oh, don't you love it? Technology. <laughs> it was an anonymous representation, but I couldn't do that without stopping and looking. I just want to know, before I start this bit, do you accept... The thesis that I've presented this morning that says that there is a battle going on in the spirit realm. Do you accept that? That is the most important thing, that we know that there is a battle going on. There's many scriptures I could read, but I just wanted to know that we know that we know that. You see, that is the battle that is going on for our souls. Craig mentioned it when he prayed for the offering. The pearl of great price. There are, as Kirk said the other day, with parables, there's a number of ways you can look at them and see them, and there's different things you can draw out of them. But the parable of the pearl of great price, and the, the picture that I have is the one that Craig paid this morning, the one that I love, is that, you see, the picture is that we are the pearl. That we are the pearl. We are the pearl of great value to the Father. And he gave everything he had in Jesus for us. Now, we are that pearl. And Satan knows that we are God's heartache to have connection with us. And what's he want to do? He wants to stop it in any way he can. And he wants to steal us from the relationship now and into the future. He wants to sucker us into his camp. 
And how does he do this? Well, he, he kind of comes up alongside us and says, you know, those people aren't very nice that you go to church with. You know, you ought to hear the things they say behind your back when you're not there. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. You should hear it. You know, they think you're a wacko. Oh, well, they might be right. Or bullying. Bullying is one of, bullying is one of the signs of the enemy's hand at work in people's lives and over people's lives and over nations. And we're seeing it in the world right now. It's called political correctness speech. This is not a political statement I'm making right now. But what's happening is that if you dare disagree, you are told that you are not right, you are bad, you are mean, and you are my, you're Louis the Fly again, you know? You come again. Because you disagree with somebody who says, my opinion is this and therefore it's more important than yours and you should be shut down. And you feel oppressed. It's a spirit. It's a bullying spirit. It wants to push you down, not let you be free. That's what the enemy does. That's how he operates. He loves control. <laughs> does he love control? He tries to set things up so that if you're in charge, you'll keep everything right and you'll have all the dots on the page in the right place and you know when you're in control, life is going to be good. Yeah, wrong. You're controlling it according to your understanding. Is your understanding better than God's? No. So if you choose to stay out of control and give God the sovereignty over your life, then, then you see the life and the love and the power of God come alive. So take your hands off. You know one of the other big ones that the enemy loves to do? Anxiety. He wants us to worry about everything. The colour of my hair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He counts the hairs on my head every day. <laughs> I save him time. <laughs> but he wants you to worry about everything. The clothes you're going to wear, the scriptures tell us. The house you're going to live in. What you're going to do tomorrow. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has got a few challenges in it. Because the enemy is out there to get you. But we're going to get through today because you trust me. I'm not sure that that's how it's normally presented when someone preaches. But that's what we're meant to live like is it's today, not tomorrow. Yes, is it wise to plan? Of course it is. I'm not discounting planning and I'm not discounting the idea of thinking for the future. But Jesus says, don't worry about it. Don't let it own you. Don't let it become your focus. Don't let it become your God, which is what can happen. It robs us of that freedom that we read about that Jesus came to bring us. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 is where Jesus says, Come to me, all you that labor under heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. You see, a lot of people think, Oh, I need a holiday. That's what Jesus said to do there. That's not what he was saying. What he was saying is, Get rid of all the religious laws and powers that are holding your life captive and come with me and I'll show you a life that is free from all that stuff. And take my yoke upon you. The yoke of being a servant. The yoke of being 
in relationship with the God, with your God. Not a religious yoke. That's the offer that Jesus makes to us. And that's the one the enemy wants to take away from us. The Three Battlegrounds is a book that I read 20, 30, 20 years ago by Francis Frangipane, or Frangipani, Francis Frangipane. He has a, he has a website, um, I don't know what it's called, but if you looked up Francis Frangipane, you'll find it. Uh, I love his stuff. But he wrote a book called The Three Battlegrounds, and he said, there are three battlegrounds that the enemy works in, the mind, the church, and heaven. And we can have input into all three. In Ephesians 6, we're told of the battle, the spiritual battle that we're in. And it talks about the battles in the heavens. Now, we have, we have carefully, we have authority in that realm. But basic spiritual warfare 101, let's worry about our own stuff rather than the big stuff right now. Our own stuff is where all this stuff is happening in our mind. The enemy attacks us in our mind, wants us to worry about stuff, wants us to disbelieve the word of God the way to defeat that is to know the word of God to know who you are in Christ Jesus and not let the enemy's lies stick because what happened when Jesus was confronted in the desert by the enemy he quoted scripture back to him Satan actually quoted misquoted scripture to Jesus but Jesus knew the scripture and said that's not what it says so how important is it for us if Satan's going to use scripture against Jesus who was the one that authored it and he thought he might trick him, he can get me in a blink. Because I don't know the word like Jesus knew the word. But I know where to find it, and I go to it when I'm not sure, and I find it in there. And you know what? One of God's inventions is Google. He helps me find the words when I forget where they are. Now, I'm not promoting Google. There are some things that they do that I don't agree with, but they're very helpful to find words that are in the Scripture. <laughs> Much better than a... What do you call it in the back? No, not the index. The concordance. That's the word. Concordance. Hey, I, I must tell you a funny story. Many years ago, a lady came to me and said, David, this was a love, she was a lovely lady. Back, this is back in Sydney. She said, I'd love to buy you a concordance for your birthday. I said, oh, that'd be awesome. I said, what's a concordance? I had no idea. I've been reading my Bible for years and I knew there was the thing in the back, but I didn't know that was a concordance. I never thought about what it was called. And she said, would you like a King James? Or I thought, oh, that sounds pretty impressive. Yes, I'll have one of those. Well, I've only ever opened it about twice because I never use a King James. But it was a really lovely gift. I didn't know what a concordance was. I do now, but I didn't then. But I found it very helpful because when the Lord... When the enemy has a go at me, I go, hang on, I don't think that's right. Let me just go and check what the word says. Ah, he's lying to me again. That's not true. So the battleground of the mind is the one, that's why I prayed the way I did at the start of this morning. That is the main game area of the enemy. He wants to play with your mind and my mind. And he is real. This is the bit where people sometimes drift away from, well, yeah, maybe, you know. Satan is a real power. He manifests his power through acts of darkness in the earth that want to take people away from Jesus. I'm not going to fall into the trap of running off onto other gods today, but 
there's a lot of them. And they are all manifestations of Satan's idea to take our hearts and minds away from God. The battle in the heavens is another one that we are affected by and have part in. So, it is very important to know that the sausages are nearly ready. No, that's not what I was going to It's very important to know that he is defeated, but he's yet to be put away. Revelations tells us that. Jesus is Lord over Satan, but has given us the right to fight. And we've been delegated as Jesus' disciples to go and make disciples for others to know Jesus too. In Luke 10, 18, Jesus gives us that authority. We read it this morning to go and be his representatives into the darkness. As we're set free from Satan's hold and ownership and bondage, it's important that we declare that for others. You know, when I see people walking up the street, sometimes the Lord just says to me, bless them to freedom. I just do that, you know. You can see people with a heavy countenance, and I say, Lord, bless them to freedom. Now, I don't know what happens after that, but I know in, in saying that I'm having power in the kingdom that's stopping something the enemy's doing. So don't shut down on those promptings from the Holy Spirit when you see somebody that's under it, or you know somebody's under it. Say, Lord, would you rescue them out from under that stuff? And if the Lord gives you what it is, tell the stuff to get off them. Because that's the part that we have to play. We can speak to the darkness and say, get off those people. And they know that you're not saying it because you're strong. You're saying it because you know the one who has the strength. You know Jesus. You can change the shape of the future of the world, my brothers and sisters. Your world, my world, and the world of those around us. And so, when we step into the battle, what happens? Well, we are in the front line. The enemy wants to line us up and shoot at us. And we have to be alert. 1 Peter 5. Let me read that to you. One meter five, eight. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Anxiety I spoke about. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Write that one in your heart and on your mind. It's in the book. This one's a bit hard. Be self-controlled. And alert. That one's important. Be self-controlled even if you can't do that. Be alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You see, <clears throat> he's out to get us. But when we read that, we think like, He's going to eat us. No. What he's trying to do is to steal and rob us of the truth in our mind. That's what Satan's about. That's what he's doing. He's looking around for the opportunity to go, aha, that thing over there that he's, he's attracted to, I'm going to call him to that and uh, suggest that that's a career that he should embark upon. 
because that's going to take him away from what I want. That happens all the time. Now, God's bigger than that, and he'll use us. It's like, Lord, I'm going this way. And say, okay, David, I'll rewrite the story, and I'll use you over here. It's not what I would have done if you'd have stayed there, but I'm not going to walk away from you. So don't get all head up and distressed about where you are. It's now the what now rather than the what if. Hang on to that. You're okay where you are. Bloom where you're planted. It's an ad for the ladies. Bloom where you're planted. That's scriptural, by the way. It's in Acts. I don't know about flowers, but... You see, Jesus came and he's coming back. But in the meantime, we're here as those to declare his victory that he's established the kingdom into the earth. We talk about it in the vineyard as the now and the not yet. The kingdom of God that is as it is in heaven has come into the darkness through Jesus. Read John 1, it's beautiful. <coughs> the darkness doesn't understand what's happened. It can't overcome Jesus, but Jesus has come. And he's established a beachhead of the kingdom of God into the kingdom of darkness, which is this earth. Okay, you get, that's, that's, is everybody okay with that? Because that's what happened. Jesus came and established a beachhead. And not only did he establish a beachhead, but he actually defeated the general of the other army. So they're running around like headless chooks. But they make a mess on the way to their end game. They do have communication in the spirit realm. But their plans are known. When we ask God how to deal with it, he'll give us the keys. Because Jesus has the keys. And we ask him for the keys. And he says, this is how you should pray. So we pray according to what the Lord has said. So be confident in the battle. Church, you are an army. We are also a school. And we are also a hospital. We are a hospital where we come back and get healed up when we get beat up. We learn how to do it, the school part, and then we step back into the front line again and we go again. Today, I believe we collectively, individually and or collectively, can tell the enemy to get away and leave us alone. Let's do that. Tell him that you choose Jesus 100% and we choose his truth and his freedom. If we do that, we're going to be dangerous to the enemy. And we're going to see the kingdom come and the kingdom advance. And we're going to find it in our lives and in the lives of those around us. We have family and friends that we ache for to know Jesus. Tell the enemy to get his hands off them. We can do that. We see the victories when that happens, when we do that, when we get bold and we say, they don't belong to you, they belong to Jesus. Especially if they've given their hearts to Jesus and at some point have wandered off into the darkness. The father waits and yearns for the return of their hearts. The enemy's suckered them into being in a pig pen. We can say, enemy, get your hands off them. Stop letting them think the pig pen is good. And Lord, show them where they are, that they're in a pig pen and you've got a better plan. You see, when we pray, we, we are speaking in the spirit to the spirit realm. And we pray and we ask God the Father for things. 
but we also speak and declare into that same spirit realm, into this earth realm, to the darkness. It's, we're not saying, God, would you move the darkness? We can do that. But we've been given authority to say to the darkness, get out of the way. The less of that we do, the slower will be the victory. The more of that we do, the more victories we see. And, you know, when we pray, we say, Lord, what are you wanting to say here? What do you want to do? And he'll say, Tony, I hope you don't mind me using you as an example. Is that okay? Tony, Tony, not you, Anna. Oh, you, you can wait for another day. <laughs> There's a lot of things. All good things. All good things. The other, Tony's had a bad back for a long time. And we've prayed for it and prayed for it and prayed for it. And the other night at Kinship, it was like his back was bad again. It was like, this is crazy, Lord. We've asked you to heal his back. And we prayed all sorts of stuff. But the other night, the Holy Spirit said, just speak to his back and tell it to relax and receive my peace into his back, that it can take my shape. That's how we prayed. His back's healed. Thank you, Lord. You know, would we in our own minds have thought of that? No. We were, we were praying all sorts of mecha clever mechanical prayers or things about what was going on. But when we listened to the Holy Spirit and he said, pray like this, yeah, we had to tell the enemy to take his hands off his back as well. So there were two parts to it. But the Lord had the victory. And that's just one example that's just popped into my head from the last week. Carol's telling me it's time. The Holy Spirit has spoken. <laughs> it's true. God speaks to me through Carol. The Holy Spirit uses her to challenge me. Like this morning. Like this morning, the news came on and there was this news commentator that said, and Australia's going to play Chile. And I said, you know, Carol, when I went to school, it was called Chile. She said, yeah, well, you were wrong. I said, okay. I said, well, I still think of it as Chile, not Chile. So anyway, I'm being told I'm being silly. So then about 10 minutes later, the sports commentator comes on and he said, Australia's going to play Chile today. I said, look, he said Chile. Carol said, well, he's wrong too. So then one of Australia's greatest ever soccer players comes on, Carhill comes on and he says, we're going to play Chile tomorrow. I said, that settles it for me. It's Chile, not Chile. I apologise to anyone from Chile because I think that's what they say these days. But I was just excited that Chile was still appropriate in some settings. But the Holy Spirit does speak to me through Carol. And I was wrong. <laughs> I confess I was wrong. I've been wrong lots of times. I just don't admit it very often. So be bold, my brothers and sisters. Be strong in the Lord. Because he owns the victory. And we have the victorious outcome for our lives and the lives around us in Jesus. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He has the victory and we are with him in that victory. So this morning, I think that the Lord wants us to, well, the opportunity is here for us to step into the truth of what's been declared here this morning. And we are going to tell the enemy to get away and leave us alone. Now, he won't stay away. He won't. He'll be back tomorrow. He'll be back this afternoon. 
But if we tell him that Jesus is the one that we believe and we give our allegiance to Jesus 100%, it establishes the ground rules of the, of the argument. So there are some words for healing that the Lord spoke to us about earlier. Um, but let, let's do this in two parts. Um, I, I feel like before we even pray for healing, it's important to make this declaration so that we are all in one place. And I'm sorry, I hate putting calls out that make people feel they have to respond. I don't like putting this blanket. If you don't stand up, it means that there's something seriously wrong with you in the spirit. That's not what's happening this morning. I'm just saying there's an invitation here. If you feel so inclined to want to get into the front line and get into the battle and know that you're going to be beat up by the enemy, know that it's not going to necessarily be the shape you want life to be, but you are all about the truth and for Jesus, then I just invite you to stand up. Because this is, this is what the Lord said he wanted to set in place today. Now, so yes. Lord, I thank you that your word is black and white clear. It is light and dark clear. It is clear, Lord, that you have the victory in the heavens and the heavenly victory is meant to be seen here in the earth. And Lord, you have called us to arms. You have called us into the front line, Lord. And I thank you for my brothers and sisters that this morning are declaring that they are willing to be in the front line. And Lord, in standing here before you, we also are making a statement in the spirit. And we are saying in the spirit realm and to the spirit realm, we are saying, be witnesses to this. This is who we are in Jesus Christ. And we stand in his victory. We stand in his promise that he will never leave us nor forsake us and that he will be with us in all circumstances. And we say to the darkness, the light has come. It will shine in us. It will shine through us. And the darkness, you won't understand it because Jesus Christ is Lord. To the honour and the glory of the Father. And we establish ourselves as those who will see Jesus as our champion. And we believe his word as truth and we embrace that as freedom. And I declare now in Jesus' name, freedom. Freedom in Jesus Christ. Freedom to boldly go where angels fear to tread. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, give Jesus a clap.